Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 24 of How Do You Write? I am currently in my office. If you watch the video on Facebook or YouTube, you'll see that my hair is a little bit different. I am obsessed with the show Fleabag, and I want her short curly hair, so I chopped it off myself this morning, which uh, we'll see how that works. My friend and hairstylist will be unsurprised. She's seen me do this before. I also have my little dog, Dozy, on my lap. She's getting a haircut tomorrow, as it is, because you know what? We're all feeling the need for some change. I don't know about you, but uh, this has been a shitty week. Yes, there's going to be swearing on this episode um, because if you listen to the last episode, I believe I uh, recorded that the day of or the day before the election. Since then, uh, Trump has been elected. We need to agree right now. If you listen to my podcast, um, I got some politics and I'm not afraid to share them. Uh, you can come at me with whatever you have if you're disrespectful. Uh, I'll just delete it. I don't actually care. Let me tell you a little bit about why. Um, look, Trump is a bad man and he's surrounding himself with bad people. They want to strip the liberties of many Americans. They want to get rid of immigrants. They want to do any number of things, um, that is going to, their policy is going to land them on the wrong side of history. Um, I'm not going to try to talk you into it one way or the other, because if you agree with me, you agree with me. If you don't, we are not going to see eye to eye. Um, it's a sad day in my household. Basically, I barely got out of bed the next day. I went to my memoir class and God bless them. Those students saved me. They all showed up and they all worked on their writing with such heart and such complete um, faith and diligence that they inspired me that I could get up again the next day and the day after that. Um, I'm gay, bisexual if you really want to know, but I'm gay married. And uh, my wife is terrified and I hate seeing her terrified. Um, She's flashing right back to when she was in Boise in uh, junior high in Idaho, uh, where it wasn't easy to look gay. I don't look gay, whatever look gay means. You know, you know what I'm saying? I pass in the world. My wife does not. Uh, we no longer feel safe holding hands. Um, any kind of public displays of affection in public. We live in the Bay area and we're scared. Uh, the chances that we get hurt are slim, but people are out there. Something has been unleashed and, Hate crimes are up by 400% as reported by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, By Friday, let's see, let's go back. The election was Tuesday. (laughs) The worst party we've ever had in our lives. Uh, Everybody went home crying. It was great. Uh, Wednesday, we mourned. Thursday, I did a little bit of writing, but it was by the skin of my teeth. And then I I went back to bed. Friday, I got up and I was going to write the 5,000 words that I needed. And instead, I penned a letter. Uh, I posted it on Medium on my blog. You can see it at rachelherron.com. We rise. And 
I posted it to Facebook and Twitter, but more importantly, I sent it out to my mailing list. Why that's more important to me is um, that was a business move on my part. When I speak on Facebook or Twitter or to you, for example, it's a self-selecting audience who basically normally buys into my politics. It's the echo chamber that we're all comfortable living in. I know that you guys love me and support me and to a great extent, we share the same beliefs. My mailing list is different. People sign up for my mailing list all over the United States. Most of them from the flyover states in the middle of the country. Uh, These are people who don't know me, who don't follow me on Facebook or Twitter. They just read a book and signed up on my mailing list to hear about when the next book is coming. I sent my letter out saying how scared I was and how different the world is and saying that now we are going to have to join together and fight for the next few years to make sure that the people around us, the people that we are in charge of taking care of, don't get hurt. And I was terrified to push the send button through my email server. And uh, instantly, almost instantly, I got a hateful response. It was probably within yeah, 45 seconds. So I got that out of the way. Um, but then my inbox exploded. There was so much love in my inbox from people I have no, I have never talked to them before, never exchanged an email. Um, there were people who say, I am in a red state. Everyone I know voted for Trump. I voted for Hillary, but I could never say that out loud. Um, I don't know how to look these people in the face. Um, everyone around me voted for the white supremacist candidate. Have you seen Steve Bannon's qualifications? The guy he has now is his uh, chief advisor, but let's not go there. Um, So I would say that for every 10 really beautiful love notes, I got one vicious, ugly email, you know, I'll never subscribe to your list again. I won't read any of your books. I'll tell my friends not to read your books. Um, I had kind of forgotten the corollary to when you bring up your politics is that it got really shared. That post got shared and sent around. That email got distributed. I ended up getting more fans because of it. So whatever. That's great. That's not why. That's definitely not why I did it. Um, it was so that we could start to come together and start having conversations. Um, I think that we on the left had gotten very complacent and, uh, We thought that Hillary would win and the Republicans would have to um, fix their party. It turns out that the Republicans have a stronger party than they have ever had before now that they have the presidency and the House and the Senate. The last time that this happened was one year before the Great Depression in 1929. It's the left. It's it's we over on this side that we need uh, to organize to come together to march to speak. Um, So I sent that letter on Friday. On Saturday, I went to my local RWA chapter meeting and there was a great speaker. I can't remember her name, but she was talking about social media, um, how to handle things. And the one thing she said about the mailing list is, of course, what I believe that your mailing list is your most powerful marketing tool. And number two, she said, never, ever bring politics into it. And I could feel my face go red. I could feel people in the meeting looking at me who are on my mailing list and I know they're on my mailing list and, and I 
tried to keep my shoulders back and a smile on my face because I still believed in what I had done. I believe in speaking the truth to power and, uh, and I don't agree with her. If I sold beautifully painted furniture, if that was my gift, I could see taking her advice. No politics in your damn newsletter, but I'm a writer. I'm an artist. The only thing I have are my words and the way that I string them together to bring people together, to touch lives, to have that communication, that connection to build that community. It's my job to say exactly what I think when it is this big a case of literally life or death. Um, So I'm really proud that I did that. I'm proud that I got hundreds of unsubscribes. Don't tell my agent. Plenty of subscribes as well, of course. Uh, So, and I have to say that after I sent that email, um, after I spent so much time thinking about it and sending it and posting it on my blog and Medium and all those places, um, I felt like I had had the stomach flu and I had thrown up. I know that that's really graphic and I apologize for that, but um, this whole thing is very graphic. All of politics is. I had that relief, that uh, feeling that I'd gotten some of the poison out of my system and maybe started to heal a little bit. So I tell you what, if you're struggling with the current uh, political climate, no matter whose side you're on, you're a writer. Write about it. Share it with someone. It's okay to have differing opinions in this world, especially when they matter so much. What matters is communicating, building that community. Um, This has nothing to do with the lovely interview that is to follow with my friend Tian Chu. You will enjoy it. Tian, when you listen, I'm sorry that I uh, bombed your interview ahead of time with political talk, but... um, I say that I'm not actually sorry because I really wanted to have this conversation with you guys. So drop me a line. Tell me what you're thinking. If you come at me wrong, I will simply delete you. It doesn't make me cry. But uh, what does make me cry is when people write back to me with their whole heart using the words that they are so good at putting together themselves. So my wish for you is that you start building your community too in your area that uh, this new, new in quotation marks, um, grassroots effort, this entering of the third civil rights movement in this nation, which is so sorely needed, um, that you'll be active in it in whatever way that takes. And now I will let you enjoy the interview with Tian Chu and I'm going to pick up my dog who's growling on the floor. Um, So peace to you. Thanks for listening. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, today I'm so pleased to welcome to the show Tian Chu, who's a friend of mine. She is a weaver. 
a dyer and a couture seamstress. She's also a writer, which is why she's on with us today. In addition to writing articles for Handwoven and Complex Weavers Journal, she has just written a gorgeous book titled Master Your Craft, Strategies for Designing, Making, and Selling Artisan Work, which has just come out from Schiffer Publishing. Hello, Tian. How are you? Good. How are you? So glad that you're here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. We chatted so long ago at a at a um, Burmese restaurant in Oakland when you were first thinking about starting to write that book. Yes, that was four years ago. Was it really? It feels like a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now your book is out there in the world, roaming freely. It is, it is gorgeous. And I would love to ask you a little bit about your process of how this has all sure. been treating you. What is the best time of day for you to write? And where do you write? Um early, really early. I get up at 5.30 in the morning and that gives me two hours before anybody else shows up and nice. that I have to deal with. Yeah. And so I find for me, because I'm a morning person, you know, that is really the best time. I can see if I were a night owl, that would be seriously problematic. <laughs> it's funny. I think the majority of writers that I speak to are more either morning people or they have kind of talked themselves into being that because it's just so much easier. Well, I find that my best creative time is in the mornings because yeah. by the time I get home at night, my brain is so fried that, you know, yeah. I, I can't write. And where do you write? Um, I write in my sort of little studio slash office. Um, <clears throat> and I use my computer uh, to do all my writing. Uh, I am a terrible longhand writer. If I started writing now, I would, you know, I the first chapter of my book now I would probably finish like sometime next year <laughs> um and so I write primarily on the computer I it's interesting I've evolved and I continue to evolve in what I, what I used to write um the first draft of my book I wrote well actually the first first draft of my book I wrote as a as a series of blog posts in WordPress I remember yeah and then I took all those blog posts and I put them into Scrivener and I started compiling the first draft of my book. But then once I started moving into the actual chapters, the actual, um, once I had the organization down, I moved into Microsoft Word. And that was for two reasons. Uh, one, formatting is much better in Word. I found that with Scrivener, um, if I moved, if I tried exporting from Scrivener, it would do weird things to the formatting. Yeah, yeah. And for a novel, that's not such a big deal because you don't have a lot of formatting right. before something that has pictures and captions and things like that. It was just killing me. Yeah. The other reason was that my, my publisher insists on using, on turning in the manuscript in Microsoft Word. So it didn't make sense to use anything else. Yeah. All those, all those pictures that were in there, they're not, they're not sent with the manuscript, right? Those, those happen later. Am I right? Uh, I sent the manuscript and the photos at the same time, but the okay. photos were not in the manuscript. Okay. Interesting. That is, that's really uh, And now I'm working mostly in Google Docs for, with my website, doing, uh, doing blog posts and writing documents and things like that. Because the nice thing about Google Docs is I can work on it anywhere. And so yeah. I'll go from my computer at home to my iPad. I'll review things on my phone. And Google Docs lets me do all of that without having to download anything. That is nice. I should use them more. That's a really great service to have. You do so much creative work and you, and you do, <laughs> one of the things I noticed about you is that you always do big things. You don't do small <laughs> things. You do, you go on a grand scale. What do you do to refill the creative well when you've just like spent it all? 
when the book comes out or when your wedding dress is made or? Well, the first thing I do is I wander around the house for a couple of days, panicking over the fact that I'm never going to do anything creative again. <laughs> Fortunately, my husband is well, you know, has been through this many times before. And he just laughs at me when I do it. He's like, that's what you said the last time and the time before that and the time before that. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> Does that help to hear? It does help to hear it because it solves the, pro- the panic of, oh, my God, this will never happen again. Yeah. And after that, I just give myself a few days um, of sort of wandering around the house in my bathrobe. <laughs> and then, you know, ideas start coming and I come up with more project. It's, it's more of an energy thing than a I have no ideas thing. Oh, I like that way of looking at it. Um, and in my book... So for my book, I interviewed 22 master artisans about their creative process. And one of the questions that I asked every single one of them was, what do you do when you're stuck in a rut? And they all said the exact same thing, which was keep working. Yeah. Keep working even if you have no idea what you're doing, even if the work is crap, because if you keep working, the ideas will come. Oh, I'm so into that idea right now that the, uh, Louis L'Amour has a, a quote that says, um, start writing the, the faucet Something like the faucet doesn't run with water until you turn it on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love so. that. And what is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Well, it actually relates to what we were just talking about. Um, I'm not sure if it's the writing advice exactly. But I think the single most destructive thing for a writer is the idea that there's this thing called writer's block. Yeah. And that you have to wait for divine inspiration to arrive before you can actually write anything. Um. Diane, uh, so Mercedes Lackey, who is a writer who I find very entertaining, wrote a series of books with a writer as a protagonist in which I suspect she dispensed a whole lot of advice that she would have really liked to say to her readers outright. <laughs> and in one of them, she says, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, I'll tell you what I think writer's block really is. It's a reluctance to sit down and do the damn work. <laughs> but if you tell people, well, I'm not writing now because I don't feel like it, you won't get much sympathy. But if you tell them you've got writer's block, well, then you get applied with wine and cheese and all the poor <laughs> babies you can you, you, you can handle. <laughs> and I do agree that, you know, diving into a first draft can be kind of scary, which is why people I think that's why people feel like they get writer's block. But you don't have to be diving into a first draft at the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. Uh, instead, you can sit down and edit things. You know, you can do things to kind of ease yourself into the process of writing. Um and there's always something you can do if you don't, if you are not feeling it for writing, if you're not feeling it for editing, then outline, you know, or go read something that, go read something about writing. But I feel that the idea that there is a writer's block and particularly the idea that there is a muse that, you know, arrives or doesn't arrive is extremely detrimental. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I like, I, I really have always loved the image of just dragging the muse Along with you, when you sit in your chair, she sits next to you, and it's time to work. Elizabeth Gilbert has this fabulous uh, TED Talk. Uh, I don't remember the name, but if you uh, if you go to the TED Talk, one of the things she talks about is inspiration and what happens when it doesn't come. And so she believes in this thing called a, a, de- a diamond or demon that – no, a genius, sorry – that was a concept that the, I think that the Greeks or the Romans had. And the idea was that you did the work, but your, but your genius, you know, kind of your little house elf was the one who made it good or bad. And so what she said was that, but 
she was having trouble with inspiration one day and finally she looks at a corner and says, I just want you to know that, you know, whoever you are, whoever you are, my demon, my, my genius, that, uh, I showed up and I did the work and I would like it to be on record that I showed up and I, <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing out there, but, <laughs> but I'm in here working but I'm in here really working. hard. <laughs> right. I love Elizabeth Gilbert. I really enjoyed her new book too, Big Magic. Have you read that? Yes, That's, I read yeah, that. It's yeah. a fantastic book. I really, really, really liked it. I don't think I agree with her necessarily, but I love. I love that yeah. you said that. I do not agree with her either. I don't. I don't believe she. Um, the thing I didn't agree with is that um, if you fail to embrace the creative idea that comes to you, it will leave you and go to someone else. Um, that was one of her big theses in the book. And I just, right. I don't, I don't believe that. I think you can coax it back into life if, if you, because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. we do have to let ideas just sit here and, and lie fallow and kind of grow and warm up. What, what didn't you agree with? Um, mostly it was that idea of the whole idea of magic. Yeah. The one part of the book that I really loved was the part where she talks to fear and she says, all right, fear, you know, we're, you and my creative spirit and I are all going to go on a journey because you insist on coming along. <laughs> and I acknowledge that you feel it is your job to make me, uh, to make me absolutely terrified when I'm thinking about doing just about anything interesting. And may I say, you are very, you are very good at your job, <laughs> you know, but I, what I want you to understand absolutely is that you are not making any decisions. You, you know, my creative oh. life and I, spirit and I are driving and you can come along if you must and we have a place for you but you will not drive in fact you may not even change the radio (laughs) I absolutely love that and I don't remember you have such a good memory for everything it seems like I read books so fast and then just they just leave my head I love how you can call them out with such detail I don't read that much lately and so I chew on the things that I do read nice nice Um, so what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Post-its. <laughs> um, the best way to brainstorm anything I've found, at least for me, is to sit down, write all your ideas on post-its. I mean, and I don't mean write them in longhand. I mean write five words on a post-it yep. at most. Yep. Stick it up on the wall, write another post-it, keep writing post-its till you're almost out of time. Uh, I, you know, I can out show of you, ideas. like, right, that's from today. Yes, yeah. exactly like that. Perfectly like that. <laughs> And then you take them all up and you rearrange them on the wall until they make some sort of sense. And um, then you capture the whole thing. I usually put it in a mind map. But being able to look at the whole thing um, at once is something that you can't do on a computer monitor. Yeah. And so that's something that that that's my big sort of writing secret. I love it. I love I love just saying it that way too. I use it for revision a lot, but I love I love what you're saying. Can and you... I use it for plan my to do list too? Oh yes, very effective. For I I spend a lot of money on post its. I basically we we keep them in, <laughs> in business. Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? So related to that, when I wanted to look at my book structure, mm-hmm. the organization within of ideas. I printed the entire manuscript, cut it into pieces, literally, with with the scissors. Wow. And 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 made each piece was like a few phrases or a paragraph, or I think in one case, an entire page that expressed an idea. And then I summarized each idea on a post-it with three to five words, writing, and I wrote it big enough that I could read it from several feet away. Oh, wow. And then I stuck the post-it with the seg- on the segment of manuscript that it summarized. 
And then I taped the entire cut up manuscript onto these six giant foam boards because I didn't have enough wall space on the wall. <laughs> and then I spent several hours going through it. And what I would do is read through the post-its to read the seats for the flow of ideas. Because it reminds you of everything that's in that piece. Right. And if anything was out of sequence, I would physically pick it up and put it on another board where I thought it belonged. Oh, that's so cool. And then I would scan the thing again. And that way I could deal with just the ideas um, and I could see the entire book at once. Um, and then if I wanted to, I can drill down into the manuscript to see more about what it was saying. And in theory, you can do that with Scrivener, but you cannot see the whole thing at once with Scrivener. Right. You just kind of blew my mind. I think I'm going to steal that for fiction because I always, always have, always have, always have a sentence outline of my books. But I could put those on post-its big enough to read, put it on the form, foam board, and then back up to look at it. I just mm-hmm. love that idea. And, you know, I used foam boards because I don't have enough wall space. But yeah. You could use the wall if you, you know, if you wanted to. I have a wall right there. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so, so cool. Um, I, on really bad days, if you couldn't do your writing or your, or your art artistry or weaving and all that, what would you do? Well, I actually have four or five professions at any given time. So if I get frustrated with writing, finding something else to do is not a big deal. <laughs> so I'm lucky enough that right now I don't have a day job. I'm trying to start my own business, teaching about the creative process and craft. Um, and I'm also a weaver and a textile artist. I do dyeing, I do sewing, and I'm starting to sell my work. And so there's a lot of, you know, if you're going to be a writer, the whole thing is multiple income streams, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, oh yes. And so if I'm not doing writing, then I do go do one of those other things. So you're kind of living the dream right now. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens when I run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the business will actually put it. I'm, I'm also doing some contract work on the side as a project manager. And hopefully the uh, business will grow enough in the next you know, year or two. Awesome. Um, so. I, I have been full-time writing for seven months as of, oh, as of exactly. this week. So I am absolutely with you. you'd quit your job. Yeah, multiple revenue streams, trying to get everything. But it's just like, it's just the hustle all day long. And I love Mm -hmm. it. Do you Mm -hmm. love it? Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, Now, my dream job just opened up. Uh Fortunately, they want want people to move to Colorado for it. So I'm not really tempted. But if they came back and said, you could tell me, I'd have to think really, really hard. What what is the dream job? The editor of Handwoven Magazine. Oh, uh, yeah. I've dreamed about that job for like most of the last five, six years. Are they? Through... I didn't think I'd get it anytime soon. Are they through interweave? I still like it. What? Are they interweave? Interweave, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I already talked to the person who's conducting the search, and at the moment they're not considering non local candidates, and I am allergic to snow. <laughs> Having lived in California for 30 years, yeah. I feel that if God intended humans to live somewhere <laughs> where it was cold, he would never have created California. <laughs> I like that theory very much. <laughs> and I'm grateful to live here today. It's 73 degrees outside is perfect. <laughs> exactly. If you were starting over right now as a new writer who would never written before, what advice would you give yourself? Well, so in my book, uh, the first advice I give to novice people, novices, is that your work is going to start out looking like crap. Yes. And that has nothing to do with you. That has nothing to do with your talent. It has to do with the fact that producing good work requires skill. And if you're just starting out, guess what? You have no skills. So what I would say to the writer, to write a new writer is basically practice. 
don't worry about whether your work is going to be crap. I mean, don't get discouraged by the fact that it's, it's crap because it's going to be crap for the first, you know, 10,000 or so pages. And if you're feeling despair about that, don't feel despair. The correct answer is not to give up. The correct answer is start writing and start writing now. <laughs> Faster, more, start Faster, it now. More, so you, you know, get better. So you get to the good place a little bit sooner, right? Right. And I got have the advantage of I started writing when I was 12. And at, when you're 12, you don't realize what crap you're writing. Right. Me too. And yeah. so I wrote voluminous letters to anybody who would give me their, uh, you know, who, who, who was foolish enough to give me their address. <laughs> um, later on, I started blogging. And, you know, I would estimate that I've written a page a day for my pretty much my entire life since I was 12. Oh, that's nice. Now, sometimes handwritten, but, you know, still. <laughs> do it's you, a lot of writing. Do you still write letters to anyone? Uh, I write blog posts mostly. I write emails yeah. uh, sometimes. Um, but these days I'm mostly blogging or writing about my business. I write about something. It's usually yeah. nonfiction. Yeah. I am one of the few writers I know who has never even thought about writing, writing, uh, fiction. So just... you should keep it that way. I'm... It's, so... <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> uh, good for you. And will you tell us about your book right now? So people who sure. are interested. Um, it's about, so my book is titled Master Your Craft, Strategies for Designing, Making, and Selling Artisan Work. It's about the creative process and craft, and particularly it's about the nuts and bolts of getting from an idea to a finished piece. Um, the It's not only about craft, it's very applicable to writing. Absolutely, I've noticed outlining, that. Yeah, it's basically outlining a creative process, because there's sort of this misconception that when you, uh, because books from projects and uh, projects from books and magazines. Um, they typically start with a very, have a very linear sequence. You have your original idea. You've got a set of steps um, to follow, to execute on that idea. And then you have this finished project and you know exactly what it looks like and what it looks like should look like what you, the idea you started with. And original work is nothing like that. It's messy. Things change. Um, you have, uh, you know, you get new ideas, things, mistakes happen and stuff like that. And so what you wind up with may not be what you expected. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but most people don't realize that. And so they get dreadfully frustrated when they start trying to make original work. And so the book is basically in three parts. The first is about the creative process. And so the idea is to help educate people about the most effective and efficient creative process to use, which is also actually the most enjoyable, I think. Um... And then the second part is a little bit about design strategies, how to make your work look good, how to make it useful to people. And then the third part is about how to sell how to sell your work and how to make a career out of craft if you choose to do that. Um, you can get a lot out of the book even if you never intended intend to sell your work. It's and so, so it's a yeah. huge volume of information that you go over in the book too. Yes, that's why it's strategies and step-by-step instruction. <laughs> oh, smart. Yes, definitely. And, you know, and I interviewed 22 master artisans about their creative process while I was researching the book. And yeah. so there are quotes from them scattered throughout and pictures of their work and little bios of them at, at the end. And they cover a wide range of media. So everything from metalworking, let's see, metalworking, woodworking, uh, fiber arts, the textiles, um, ceramics uh and a polymer artist and a few other uh and a few other disciplines awesome so i really tried to get a big cross section i tried to get people who really knew what they were doing some of these people are you know paul marioni is one of the founders of studio glass roy underhill has his own woodworking uh show on pbs wow. so you're um, the masters yeah 
I, I, yeah. I look, uh, yeah, I interviewed the masters. Yeah. So do you, do you miss working on the book now that it's out there? Not really, because I'm actually now working on a new business around the book. Yeah. It's uh, at creatingcraft.com, and it's about the creative process in craft. The idea, my initial focus is actually going to be on helping people who are struggling to find time for creative work mm-hmm. or who don't feel like they get as much done as they would like during the time that they do have. And eventually I want to cover the entire creative process of, you know, the getting ideas, designing, and creating original work, but I figure it comes in three parts. First part is getting projects done. Once you've got, you're getting projects done, then you can start talking about how to make your projects better, and then after that, you can start talking about how to sell your work and how to make a career out of craft. Oh, that is exactly the right order of things, including writing. I do run into so many people who are, you know, they start thinking about writing their book, and then they start trying to sell it before they've even got the first chapter on the page, right. you know, you have right. to, you have to finish the work first. <laughs> well, that's true in fiction. You don't have to do it in nonfiction. Correct. You had better have yeah. a really good idea of what you're planning on making. Yeah. And yeah. you better have your chapter synopses and all that. <laughs> um, but that part that I'm doing, which is basically, it's basically about time management and about focusing on projects is something that would be very useful for writers as well. Yeah. So, uh, if people tell us again where to, that is, what, what website? Creatingcraft.com. Creatingcraft.com. And I'll send it to you. You can put it in the show notes, I guess. Perfect. I'll do that. Um, And uh, I'm expecting to get my first ebook out sometime in uh, in December. Oh, good for you. And what is that on? That one is going to be about uh, how to find time for projects, how to get more. My sort of my uh, internal title is how to get more projects finished in less time than you thought possible. That sign me up. Take my money. <laughs> I will buy the hell out of that. <laughs> so, where, where else can listeners find you? Uh, they can find me at tianchu.com and I'll give you the link for the show notes. Uh, and those are the two places. That's where I have my artist gallery. That's where I have my personal blog, which actually has quite a few readers as well. Yeah. Uh, it out, it sort of outlines my creative adventures and the, the work uh, and my own creative process. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Tian. I got so much from it. Good. And I just I, love your book. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give uh, several copies away as Christmas gifts. I just decided while we're talking, I just thought of like four people who need your book. So. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Happy creating. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Thank you.